June 17th, 2021. This is Avi Kaufman. And I'm Ron Scharf. And this is Accent Insights. Well, what's going on in the market, right? This is the question we get all the time. It's a question that's on our minds. It's on our clients' minds. There's always there's lots of headlines, particularly now with you know, general economic news, what's happening in housing. And there's a lot of sensationalism. And, you know, and the question is, is it overheated? Is the market slowing down? Uh, we decided to take a look at some of the statistics and see if we can kind of break down a little bit specifically what's happening in our market. So Avi, what are you seeing when you look at this year versus last year, two years ago, three years ago? Yeah, so I think that something important is, is you, know, you said like there's sensationalism in a lot of the headlines, and this is just sort of the nature, something to understand is this is just the nature of uh, the industry that we're in, is that the numbers can be very complicated, the different numbers mean different things, and they're also backward looking. Um, in, in that, you know, if you see a headline in the news about, oh, prices hit a uh, all-time high in this sector or that sector or this town, remember, a deal takes 45 to 60 days to close. That's when the numbers become, the sale numbers become public record. Uh, and it's a selective sample anyway. Um, so we have to look at different things to really understand what's going on. Just to stop you for a second, that is true. And that's why we try not to do this particular podcast early in, this, in the season. But um, but we are in June, right? And we do have some data and we can look at some things and it is interesting for sure. Yeah. And, and we should say there's there's different points, different types of numbers that come from different stages of the market to give us a hint. So you could look at how many things are listed. You could look at how many things uh, accept a contract, how many things close, how many of those had a price reduction. Um, and each of those is from a different part of the life cycle of a piece of real estate being sold. And they tell us different things and we have to sort of piece them together to figure out what's going on in the market. Agreed. Obviously, the first thing people always want to know about what's going on with the pricing, but pricing is a function of other factors, one of which is how much inventory is there and what product are you looking at? Um, So let's talk about Brookline condos, which are different than Brookline single families. What are we seeing Brookline condos right now compared to this point last year or the year before? Yeah, well, actually, we have more condos listed for sale today, June 17th, uh, than we did at this point in the past five years. In fact, you know, in 2017, at this time, there were 58 condos listed for sale. Currently, there's 112. Wow. That's the headline number. And right. you're right, this is very different than single families. Um, in the single family market uh, in Brookline, we've got 25 for sale right now. Uh, and at this time in 2017, for example, there were 44. We actually have the lowest number of single families for sale now than we have in the past five years. And we have the highest number of condos for sale than we have in the past five years. Right. So that's, so that's, that's interesting. And it, matches up whether whether you know actually or not but it matches up with intuitively what people say right there is there is currently this notion of there is a um a movement toward more uh, outdoor space more space in a home to do work from home and that kind of thing so people seem to be looking for more space generally that would you know imply that the people who are in single family homes are kind of staying there um, and people are trying to sell their condos either for larger condos or for, you know, or for those single family homes, which have become ever more elusive. Yeah. And, and I bet if we, if we dived into these numbers and looked at even within the condos, the ones that have private entrance, 
and you know some outdoor space and uh, parking. I bet those would be performing at a much higher rate than a traditional condo uh, with a shared entrance and shared outdoor space. I think that's right, and I think you know it's funny we we hear people. Uh, even in our business, right? Like, you know, sometimes you have an agent who's got something's been sitting on the market for what seems like a long time. And they'll say, well, the market is different. It's a different market. It's, it's slowing down. Um, and I don't know if I agree with that. You know, it's, we definitely, we'll talk about another stat, which is days to offer, um, which is how long it takes a property that gets listed to get its offer. And, you know, there are on average, more days to offer. And then there's another interesting uh, statistic about the ratio of the uh, sale price to the asking price, which is we'll ask Avi to dive into. Um, so, but is the, is the market getting softer? I'm not sure I agree with that because, you know, we're going to talk about one property in particular, which I think is very telling. Um, but there's more stuff on the market right now. There's more inventory. There are more things for interested buyers to see. It might just be taking longer for people to work their way through the inventory and decide what they think about different properties. Well, yeah. So you mentioned days to offer. So the days to offer for uh, for, for condos in Brookline that have sold, that you know, have gone through the whole process, they've closed, it's 41 days to offer um, is, is, the, is the average right now. Uh, and that's more than double what it was in 2017, you know, five years ago when it was 20. So from 2017 till now, it's been steadily increasing. It was 20, then 25, 32, 34, now 41. And, and same picture, you know, if we look at just the ones that are more recently under agreement, um, you know, it's a little bit better. It's, it's 31 uh, days to offer right now, um, but that's still much higher than, than at this point in the previous years when it ranged from 18 to, to 29. Um, and then, you know, so, so that does tell us that, and that, that makes sense, right? Like if we have more things listed, um, it, it would make sense that there's more days to get an offer. So th- when we said listing units before, we were talking about how many condos are available for sale today, but we could also look at how many listings have been taken total from January 1st through now, um, whether they've sold, still available, whatever. And, and there too, we've seen the number is just, is just sky high. We have four, 435 condos were listed uh, year to date, which is the highest it's been in five years at this point. You know, two years ago, the next highest in 2019 was 360 uh, for a condo. So it's just, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing that. And just, just because we mentioned the, the single family inventory, how that's lower today than it has been in the past five years. It's worth noting that the number of listings total taken uh, is, is consistent with the past years is 113 total taken. So it's just that the single families are selling faster right. um, and that their days to offer have done the opposite trend of the condos. Whereas in 2017, single families took 58 days to get an offer on average. Uh, this year, 34. Right. Right. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, as we talked about, potentially the reason is it's, it is the hotter product uh, for today's situation. Could that change next year? Absolutely. Um, but right now, there's this sense that people want more space, more outdoor space, more space in the house. Let's talk about pricing, Avi. What are we seeing in terms of pricing trends? You know, not absolute pricing, but just in terms of what people are asking versus what they're getting. So th- this is interesting. And this, I think, you know, if, if you just talk to people and you, you watch the news or listen to the news or read the news, uh, you get the sense that everything's going, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars over asking price. And that's certainly... Uh, true in, in some cases, as we'll, we'll discuss. Um, but on average, that's not the case anymore. 
the average sale price as a percent of the original list price right now um, for condos anyway is 98.45%, you know, just over 98%. Whereas in years past, it's been over 100%. For example, five years ago, 2017, it was more than 102%. Right. So those are those offers that are over the asking price. And that was, you know, on average, what was happening in the past couple of years. And now on average, the offer prices are just under the asking price. Yes. Now, I, I think it's important now to distinguish, right? Does that mean that the market is getting soft? Not necessarily, right? It could mean that that the sellers are getting too aggressive in what they're asking for their for their asking price. I think that's right. I think that sellers are sort of have been accustomed over the past five years to the market going up a certain percent every year. And some of the pricing has quite frankly gotten ahead of the market. Uh, you know, people see other people making fortunes on cryptocurrency or NFTs or, or, or even in real estate. <laughs> and, uh, you know, some of the pricing is, is aspirational. Right. And we, you know, we've talked about this again and again, but I think, you know, something that we've seen in the last two weeks uh, bears saying it again once more. The, the advice we give our listing clients is that we exist in a very smart market. It's a perfect market. There is enough buying interest to match up with the selling inventory, and the market knows its price. We have always said that you cannot underprice in Brookline uh, or Cambridge or JP for that matter or Newton. The market knows what things are worth. And if you underprice, what you get is a lot of interest and bidding wars and the market finds the price, right? But, you know, we have trouble and we totally understand it. We never push our clients who, who are selling if they want a price high. Sometimes people you know, are afraid they're going to leave money on the table. They've read negotiation books to talk about anchoring and setting a price in a, you know, in a buyer's mind that's high and being afraid to anchor too low, right? I mean, we have had it recently. I'm sure you have too. Certainly. I mean, no, no, my buyer, my, my sellers would never overprice. <laughs> I don't say overprice. I say aggressively <laughs> price or push for that high. But let's, so I'll, I'll talk about something that I just experienced uh, in the last week and a half with, with buyer clients. Um, there was a, a townhouse that came on the market on Berkeley Court in Brookline. And Berkeley Court, even if you live in Brookline, you may not have heard of because it is a very small street with about five houses on it right near Emerson Park in, in Brookline Village. And it's lovely. It's a court. And, you know, here comes this townhouse. It's a, you know, side by side with a separate entrance. So it has more of a feel of a single family than an up and down condo would. And it was, I I think it was five bedrooms, uh, three bathroom, if I'm not mistaken, two full one half, right? Relatively newly done, not a, not a new renovation, but, but in lovely condition, had a private yard, had parking. And again, on that court, which is very nice because it's quiet. No one drives into a court unless they live there and right next to Emerson Park. Um, condo came on the market for a million two seventy five, And I immediately alerted my buyer clients who were looking for just such a thing. And I told them, look, this is not the price, right? Just, just be prepared. This thing is a million four fifty every day of the week. And, you know, and it will probably go for more because... It's going to get a lot of excitement. Well, you know, we put in what we thought was a very aggressive offer, over $100,000 over asking price, and, you know, came back from the listing agent. You know, I was told to go back to the top five offers, and you weren't one of them. But because we were doing another deal together, she did did me the courtesy of letting, you know, letting us put in uh, another offer. And we did, and and we came over a million five, and, you know, we weren't even in the top four. (laughs) 
at the end of the day. So, you know, you have a listing price of a million two seventy five, which, you know, I think legitimately the listing agent and the and the sellers thought might have legitimately been the price. The house is is sort of it's next to a, a, a commercial building on one side, so maybe that's a little less than ideal. Um, I think they overthought the um, the bits that were less than ideal and underthought all of the positive factors of the of the home. But guess what? The market said, you know, we know what the positive factors of the home are. We know how rarely an offering like this comes up, and people, you know took their checkbooks out. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, sometimes there's a fear that if you underprice by too much, that you might be just anchoring it too low. Will the market be able to, to make up the difference? Um, you, you know, if you underprice by a little bit, like let's say that the notional value of something is a hundred and you un- underprice to 99, then the market should recognize. But what if you, what if you go down 10%? What if you say 90 or what if you said 70 or um, at some point, uh, you might have the fear of, oh, we're anchoring it too low. The market won't be able to overcome such a difference. It's a very challenging thing is to get the pricing right because it is a signal and it is a signal. Some people put a minimum dollar amount on their searches to try and only filter in things of a certain quality. Uh, it reminds me of um, in my first, when I first started in real estate in, I think, 2004, I was at um, uh, a Prudential franchise. They did a lot of research on this and came out with this concept of, okay, we don't want to put a list price. We want to put a list price range uh, to try and get the same effect, even in markets that aren't um, as as balanced with demand or, or so favored towards the sellers. So instead of saying something is worth um, whatever, $1 million, you might say uh, the asking price is between uh, 957 and 1036000 or something like that. And it's very specific numbers. You know, the language was the seller will consider offers in this range, um, and for the same the same purpose. And it never caught on, I think, right. because you can't enter a range on the MLS. Like you, you have to enter a one price. No, I think that's right. I I, I, I remember when this was in vogue. Um, you know, there were a couple of things that were in vogue maybe 10, 15 years ago. The the price range was one of them. The one dollar price was one of them. Um, but, but the price range, as you say, is interesting because, you know, it does set an anchor and it, it sort of sets a minimum anchor and an aspirational anchor. And if someone wants to be really aggressive, they say, oh, well, let me give up more than the highest number. And if, but people feel, you know, maybe inhibited from giving less than the lower number. Um, but that is, a, but that is the fear that we have with an overprice. Anyway, if you overprice, the market tends to ignore you. Um, if you're telling someone you know, this property is worth a million five and the market thinks it's worth a million two seventy five. It's much less likely that you're going to get those offers. Why? Because people, they don't want to insult the sellers. They think they're not going to get it. You know, there's all kinds of psychology that comes into it. Um, whereas the reverse is not true, right? If someone walks into a home that's being listed at a million two seventy five and they say, no way, I've been looking for a long time. I haven't seen anything like this for a million five and I have a million five. They're going to put that down because they want to get into a home. It's Brookline. It's got the schools, the parks, and all of that stuff, and they know what they've seen. Yeah. So, um, and in know, this we, case, in, in this case, you know, they made up over twenty percent difference, like from the list price to what we believe the under agreement price is. Um, you know, it's not public yet, but we're, we're pretty sure it's more than twenty percent. Correct, and twenty percent sounds like a lot as a percentage, but. You know, when you think that it is between two hundred and fifty and three hundred thousand dollars more than the asking price, people were not shy about offering you know over a quarter of a million dollars more than was asked. 
right? That is a that is really instructive because you know it really highlights what we try and tell people: like, don't worry about underpricing. We don't even know, right? I was told by the listing agent that there were twelve offers, and she told me I wasn't in the top five, but we were well over asking price. Sometimes. You know, you get multiple offers and some of them are below the asking price, but they're helpful because they let you go back to the to the buyers and say, hey, we had five. Right. Now, three of them might have been completely worthless because they would just never be considered, but they are worthwhile for the seller because they let the motivated buyers get even more motivated. Um, but here, you know, we were a pretty motivated buyer. We frankly thought we were offering enough to stay into the second round. Right. We figured over $100,000 over ask, you know, there's going to be another round and this will at least keep us in. But even there, had I not had this, you know, other relationship with the listing agent, we would have uh, had a problem that wasn't enough even to stay in for the second round. So um, when, when we see these things, it's important to talk about them because, you know, sellers understandably have a hard time believing that this happens, but it does. Yeah. And I, I mean, I kind of wish that, that the price ranges had caught on because it would both from the buyer psychology of, of putting in a bid and the seller psychology of um, setting a reasonable price. Um, I could see how it could be helpful. You know, we, we often talk about what are the three pillars of preparing a, a, a listing for sale? And they are timing, preparation and price uh, are the three that we often come back to. Uh, and, and you can see it, it's a challenge on the price that, that you need to have faith. You're sort of um, having faith in this unseen market force that we see again and again. And we know it's there because we see it acting again and again. Um, but it's, it's, it's hard to hard to convey that, especially because not every property does get multiple offers uh, or sells immediately. You know, there's plenty of places. You know, we were talking about the market stats where why is the average below asking price? Why is the average selling price below the average asking price if the market is so hot? Well, it's because there still are plenty of places that, that come on and overprice and then sit. Right. And well, and, and again, I think that's because, you know, as we said before, as you brought up there, the sellers are looking at the world generally and thinking there's people who are spending too much money on too much stuff. And why should real estate be any different? You know, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the property on Winchester Street that my buyers put in an offer at the asking price after two weekends on the market. And the seller said no, because the seller was harboring this impression that someone was going to come in and give them more than their asking price. And, and my buyer said, I don't want to play games. I want this place. Let's just offer, you know, I asked them, do you want to, do you want to offer a little bit under? They don't have anything else. And he said, no, you know, let's just give them what they're asking because we want to just wrap it up. And and the seller said, no. And, you know, PS, they had to do a price drop after that. Two, two price drops. Two price drops. It's, it's still actually, it's still available. Still on the market. <laughs> I think what we're seeing um, is, you know, going back to the stats, the sellers just may be getting ahead of themselves, right? Everyone and sees- that seller, by the way, the Winchester, <laughs> now that's one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars that they essentially left on the table, as far as we know, because it's still available. And, and the original price was one point one. Now it's nine seventy-five. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's an expensive lesson. Um, and though, you know, I I feel for. I don't know if it was the advice they got from their agent, if it was the you know the line the line they held, um, but uh, it really was. You know, I mean, I'm. I feel my, my client feels great. 
you know, they're happy with what they got and they are happy they didn't overspend. So yeah, and, and not to be not to be we're not saying this to be harsh. I mean, um, it is a very hard thing to do is to get the pricing right and to come it up is, with the right strategy well, and do the right preparation and the right timing. I mean, that's why we have jobs, right? Like, because the, because these things are hard. It is. But, you know, it, it also bears mentioning that, like, whether an outcome is successful or not, so depends on what someone's expectations were. This is why we don't push on the underpricing. We give our best advice. We tell the anecdotes that we know for fact, and then we do what the seller asks us to do. Because, you know, let's say that seller on Berkeley Place thought their place was worth, you know, a million six. You know, if they thought it was worth a million six, and they asked a million five fifty, thinking that they would get more, and they didn't get more. They would have been disappointed, right? But if they thought it's worth a million two seventy five, and they get a million five fifty, then they're super happy. Right. So it doesn't it almost there's no objective truth. Right. What we have on a market price, I think, is sort of this fuzzy dot. Right. And which which really is a range. Right. And, you know, there's a curve at the top, which is a little bit higher. And there's a curve at the bottom, which is a little bit lower. We feel that when you underprice, you wind up getting to that top part of the curve because the market gets excited and will push up. If you overprice, you wind up getting to that lower part of the curve. You're still going to be in the market range. Then, then the question you have to ask is, well, how happy will you be with the outcome versus the process, right? And if people feel like, oh, I underpriced, I was expecting 50000 over ask, I only got 25000 over ask, or in the case of Winchester, you know, I was expecting more than my asking price and I only was offered my asking price, they wouldn't have been happy, right? If the people on Winchester Street had accepted our offer, they might have never been happy with that outcome because they might have thought somehow they left money on the table. Now they know. Um, but, you know, it is, it is interesting. The psychology of all of this is very important. So, you know, we try and educate our clients um, as best we can. And then we, we work with, you know, whatever mindset you're in because you have to feel good about the outcome one way or the other. That's right. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing to say about pricing, the, the market price, it's not some monolithic force. Like there's this magic market price. It's, it's the, the aggregate of everybody's evaluation of what the property's worth to them. And, you know, it's, it's the curve. It's the classic sort of supply and demand curve that you see in, in Econ 101. Um, but, uh, you know, we know the sort of this aggregate price of everyone's individual preferences and their individual best alternatives to, to that and their their estimation of the value of that property compared to um, the previous properties they've seen, the other properties that they're expecting to come on later in, in, in the year. Uh, so there isn't, um, you know, we're sort of in this age of the Zillow's estimate and the Redfin estimate and the, all this. But uh, the truth is anyone that gives you like a single number as like, this is what the market value is, uh, unless, it, unless it comes with an offer and a deposit check, uh, it, it's not real. It's just talk, right? I think we've said all we, we can and need to say about this again, except, you know, I think the one other thing, you know, that we tell people, particularly our sellers is you got to listen to the market. And sometimes, you know, we think uh, we know what the market price range is or the seller insists that they know, and that's fine. But then you have to hear the market. And what hearing the market really means is if there's silence, you got it wrong. Uh, you probably got it wrong. <laughs> and you, you know, you need to think about being flexible. Um, you know, we've seen we've seen circumstances where there was, you know, almost dead silence. And yet, uh, turns out we got it right. So, that's, you know, these things happen. Uh, but, you know, listening to the market, thinking flexibly, these are these are important things when you're playing in this aggressive field. 
Well, I think that's all for, for today. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'd love to hear your questions. Uh, you can reach us at info at accentbrookline.com. Uh, until next time. We'll talk to you later.